0: Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the bunker. Folks, I am fucking pissed. I am pissed at the fact that I am losing literal sleep, that I am feeling emotionally unwell, that I have friends and family telling me that their young ones are afraid to go to school, that they are terrified that a bad man is going to come and get them. And that there is no way, no way for those that are caring for young children, for parents and caregivers to be able to tell children that they are safe because it would be a fucking lie. And why is that so? Why do we now have to lie to our children to tell them, no, 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 no one's going to come into your school? How do you say that? We have to lie to them because otherwise, What's the alternative for them to live in a consistent state of fear, which they already have for them to develop serious emotional and mental illness, depression, anxiety, grief. We are asking fourth graders to cover themselves in the blood of their friends because our lawmakers are craven fucking cowards. I am so filled with rage. Garnell Whitfield testified before Congress following the murder, the massacre of his mother, Ruth Whitfield, and nine other black people at a Topps grocery store. And he said, he said to the people there this, is there nothing that you personally are willing to do to stop the cancer of white supremacy and domestic terrorism it inspires? Because if there is nothing, then you should yield your positions. How is it that we elect these people to be the voice, right, of their constituents and they turn a non-listening ear, they turn their backs? We have people in this country Parents going into a medical examiner's office, waiting on samples of DNA because they don't have bodies that are solid enough to be able to identify their fucking kids because of an AR-15. You have members of Congress saying things like, well, we didn't ban planes after 9-11. No, you fucking asshole. We didn't, but you know what we did do institute a whole bunch of really fucking annoying things that we have to go through in order to get on a plane, like pat downs, like x-rays, like taking your shoes off, like not bringing on any liquids over three ounces. Those would be the equivalents of the fucking background checks that you need in order to get on a plane because it was used as a weapon. But when we have actual weapons of war that are used on a daily basis to sacrifice the lives of our children, we say, well, that's just par for the course. That's just what it means to grow up in America. Tell those kids to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and go buy a bulletproof backpack. What the fuck? I am losing the ability to have calm and collected conversation when all I see everywhere is gaslight and bullshit and Democrats in the media just continue to fucking eat it up. I am so sick and goddamn tired of listening to journalists allow craven, evil, heartless Republicans say, well, it's the second amendment. What about our fucking kids? How in God's name do you still refer to yourself as pro-life when you care more about a collection of cells than you do about the dreams and aspirations of third and fourth graders, of kindergartners in Newtown, of high schoolers in Parkland? You don't care. So let's stop pretending that we don't know what is in these people's hearts when their actions tell us each and every day what is. It's not that they believe that they don't have the power to do anything, it's that they don't want to. And every time that I hear reporters say, well, how are Democrats gonna sell gun reform? How about just sending them the pictures of the 19 children's bodies? How about delivering 19 handcrafted, hand-colored fucking caskets to their offices? How about just piling up the fucking National Mall with body bags. We're talking about, oh, it's not civilized to protest at the doors of justices, fuck you. Because here's the thing, if I'm not gonna feel safe in this country, if that freedom has been taken away from me because of their desire for a second amendment, then I'm gonna tell you this right the fuck now. No one ain't gonna feel safe nowhere. No one, because that is the climate that they are creating in this country. Supreme court just passes yet another fucking piece of law that says that citizens can't fucking sue federal agencies and governments. No, because I guess we have no rights in this country. And what happens when people feel like they have no power? rage, riots, and that will be their justification for more violence against communities that they didn't give a fuck about anyway. Folks, when I tell you each and every show that things are going to get bloodier before they get better, I feel that each and every day, and it's what is keeping me up at night. I just sit around going through Twitter, two, three, four o'clock in the morning, just waiting for the next pang, waiting for the next headline. I don't know why because it's not as if it it helps me prepare emotionally. <sighs> I feel like we have lost our grip not only on reality but on what it means to be an empathetic human. We have allowed corporate interest the uber-wealthy and white, cis, hetero, white evangelical Christians to run amok with their toxic, fragile masculinity across this country. We have done nothing. Garnell Whitfield said, (laughs) Buffalo should have never happened because you've known about the rise of white domestic terrorism for decades, dare I say, centuries. Then you have white members of Congress saying, well, we don't need special laws. No, because why would they want to have their base targeted? But instead of reporters turning around and saying, why is it that you are embracing white supremacists and white supremacy? Why don't you see that as a threat To the whole entity of America. But we need to stop asking people who have shown us who they are to pretend that they are something different than what they have shown. But here's the thing that I'm going to say that every single Democrat that has not been using their voice, their power, their platforms to speak out against Republicans. And I mean all Republicans, and I don't mean to part and fucking parcel who you think is good or rational that is left because there ain't any. If you voted with Donald Trump 90% of the time, you are one of them. You are part of the fucking problem. The only reason why folks are holding up Liz Cheney and Adam Kissinger is because They have literally been exercised from the Republican party because the one thing that they choose not to believe in is the big lie, but they believe in everything else. I, I just, I have had it. I have had it. I've had it this week. I've had it this time. I've had it with this country. And I want to say that it is worth fighting for, but in all honesty, I'm like, the only reason I don't want it to burn to the ground is because I don't want the good people to go down, but there's clearly going to be no way, right? That that doesn't happen. As Dr. Brittany Cooper told us weeks ago, they can't kill all of us. They go and try, but they can't. So when the dust settles, whether it's 5, 10, 20 years from now, we'll have, some people will be around to rebuild who that is. I don't know. Coming up next, my conversation with our friend, our in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzel, author of dying of whiteness. The Damage Report with John Iderola is one of the most popular shows on the TYT network that serves as your daily breakdown of the genuine threats and challenges facing our country and world. These days we're confronted with an overwhelming sea of shocking, confounding and devastating news stories. The Damage Report is your life raft, helping you navigate the day's news and understand the damage caused by the corrupt establishment, politicians, corporations, and everything in between. Join The Damage Report's notorious fan club, The Dragon Squad, where you become part of a fantastic community of progressives. Create a fun dragon nickname that fits your personality, collaborate, and participate in fun activities like voting for the garbage person of the week, and much more. Listen to The Damage Report on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Folks, you know that when it is Wednesday, I always have a lovely opportunity to delve into all of the horrible things that are happening in America (laughs) with our soothsayer, uh Dr. Jonathan Metzel, author of Dying of Whiteness, who is headed out, folks, on his European world tour to talk about how America is crumbling. Yes. Uh so Jonathan, first tell us um tell us about where you're where where you're headed in the in the coming weeks and um and why. Um and then we can delve into where we are here in this godforsaken place.
1: Well, I'm I'm going to uh to Denmark and Sweden there's a bunch of conferences about kind of the future of global <laughs> democracy. Um, and people really want to know like what the hell is going on with the United States. And so I'm going to be talking about the politics of racial resentment um, in a conference in Sweden. And then I'll be going to Copenhagen if anybody has any recommendations. Um, I'm just going to like walk around and um, I won't make a joke. Uh, I'll just say I'll walk around in an environment where there are, fewer firearms than there are yeah. here. Um and uh and and so that'll that'll be nice. Um and then yeah, so so it'll be kind of a Scandinavian vacation, but also a sense to kind of talk about America and also be in a society where there people actually pay taxes for government services. Um and so I'm kind of curious to talk to people about the healthcare system and public safety and, and things like that.
0: So let me ask you this, because I'm curious, how do you express racial resentment to like in a society where maybe I'm wrong, that there isn't a lot of racial diversity? Maybe there is ethnic diversity. Um, I'm not super familiar. But when I obviously when I hear Denmark and Sweden, I think white, white, white. Um, So how, how do you even begin to explain the issues of racial resentment that they see in the headlines and on the news happening in America?
1: If I can report live back, I will do that because I'm curious about that question myself. Of course, um, Scandinavia has a lot of tensions about Immigration in the past, and Mm -hmm. and and it is a more much more homogeneous place. But there also are different diversities within race, right? I mean, if you think about Sweden, for example, there are white people called Samis who live in the north of Sweden near the Russian border, for example, but they're considered second class citizens. I mean, there's there's a lot of diversity within the category of white. So it's not like our racial categories are transported, but it's not like that means that there are no divisions or hierarchies so but but i'm curious about that myself i mean the 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 um the thing everybody wants to know about across the world is kind of why do americans vote against what seem to us to be Mm -hmm. their own self-interest yeah i think that that's kind of the question is like how is political division used to um to have people vote against their own health (laughs) care or any kind of common sense safety reform or anything like that and so We'll have to see. I mean, it'll be interesting. This is my really my first sustained time in Scandinavia. I've done a lot of work in the Middle East. I do a lot of work with Israel Palestine Physicians for Human Rights, and I'll be going back to the Middle East toward the end of the summer. And for me, that's a, a much, you know, it's a different conversation, but there's obviously, I mean, American political division is kind of an export product, right? And so a lot of people who are stirring up problems in the U.S. in terms of You know the Fox News kind of funders and things like that are also really active in conflict zones across the world. So, love to love to see, but yeah, I'll be. I'm I'm very
0: yeah. yeah, Yeah. I'll I'll be really interested um, to 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 do an in depth conversation when you return and you can share with us um, what what you've heard and what you've learned and and honestly what what the fears may be that are shared fears that are happening globally as it pertains to, um, to democracy, because, um, there, I think that as we talked uh, a couple of months ago, when the report came out for the first time that the United States is a backsliding democracy, it wasn't the only one, um, that there are several. And so what does that mean, uh, for the safety, uh, of, um, of the world? And also
1: Um, if you're in Scandinavia, like, you know, women in Finland, are getting military training now in case the russians invade and stuff so the world's just a very unstable place right now so there's a there's a lot going on that just the traditional boundaries and borders that we've lived with are not you know, since world war ii are, are not holding up right now so but yeah it'll be interesting
0: so i want to switch gears um we have a couple of things obviously that are happening right now following the buffalo massacre, following the uvalde massacre, following all of the massacres that have happened in between those two major headline mass shootings. There have been the mass shooting that just took place in Philadelphia over the weekend and in Chattanooga and you know in I I I don't the list is is, is quite is quite deep. And again, for those listening, mass shootings are um, four or more people being killed, um, being shot, uh, at one time. And so that just goes to show you how many of those events have happened and are continuing to happen. Jonathan, the way that the news though, right now is reporting on these things is making it seem as if this is new. So can you tell us, is it, that the coverage is like, oh, this is sensational, so we'll keep going with it? Or are you, by virtue of the work and the study that you've been doing, is it an uptick right now?
1: Um, well, certainly, we, we had a CDC report about a month ago that said that there were 45,000 gun deaths in the United States reported. They're more in actuality in 2020, and probably more over the last couple of years. So certainly, we have more gun death by a magnitude of five to 10,000, I would say a year um, recorded um, and probably many more. So it, there are m- more shootings. There are more guns because there were, there was up to an 800% rise in parts of the country in gun sales during the pandemic, the first parts of the pandemic. And so I certainly think there are more guns and more shootings across the board than there, than there used to be. Um, and that that's just a statistical fact, but I would also say that, we're just more aware of multiple victim gun homicides right now. Um, they, they used there's this thing called the mass shooting tracker, which everybody uses. Um, that tracks um that tracks um for incidences where four or more people get shot. And for several decades, they they would just use the media outlets like newspapers and uh, mostly newspapers. And so. Only new shootings that made the news were being recorded as mass shootings. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so that led to everybody thought, well, ninety percent of mass shooters are white, for example. But that wasn't the case. It's just that ninety percent of white shooters made the news. There were tons of shootings in places like what we saw this weekend, where everybody all of a sudden was saying, There are fifteen mass shootings this weekend. Well, that's been the case in places like Chicago for a long time and other places. It's just that um we don't care. Sh- gang shootings or urban yeah. shootings weren't being called mass shootings. And so what we've done over the past five years mostly is to expand the definition of what a mass shooting is. And now all of a sudden there are many more shootings that come to the awareness. Now, so it's two things. One is that there are more shootings, but two is that we're we're also reporting on multiple victim gun homicides um in ways that raise awareness. So if you live in parts of Newark or Chicago or Nashville or Florida or other places like that those shootings have been a di- part of daily life for a long time it's just now they're now they're getting reported
0: do you think that there should be a conf- like that there should be a confluence of this conversation meaning that do, should we be having distinct conversations about guns is there a difference in your mind between, and and to me there isn't. So let me just say that, but I've been hearing this conversation a lot. Should there be a difference between how we're talking about the mass shootings that we just saw in Buffalo and in Uvalde and in El Paso and in Las Vegas and in these places versus the shootings that we see in Philadelphia, in Chicago, in LA. Should there be a difference in those discussions? Because the motivations, in my opinion, for those killings, the 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 ones that make the headlines that we're talking about right now are different than the motivations that happen in places like Chicago and Pennsylvania and, and Philly.
1: Two words who ha I mean honestly there all gun crime is gun crime. All gun death is gun death. The minute we use those categories, we assume we know what the motivation is. That's the problem we got into for decades in the gun control movement, which is why the gun control movement is a very narrow coalition now and not a broad coalition. From the first day this crap started happening, we should have been saying all gun victims are victims of guns. of guns, And it doesn't matter because like, how do you know something's an urban shooting and not a psychological shooting? How do you know something that happens mm-hmm. in- urban philadelphia doesn't also have a component of mental illness or something like that so in other words it's just a way of like not looking very closely at black victim shootings yep um and so and and now got the gun the gvp movement it's called gun violence prevention is saying how come everybody's not on board and marching in the streets and it's because honestly for 20 years with respect to my colleagues in this movement um we've only been talking about white shooter white victim. Crimes and so d- dividing these up is what caught us into trouble in the first place, and it's what and we should be massively rejecting that right now. Honestly, um, I, I would say that's that's one point. Um, and then and then the other part of it is just there are as- aspects. You it makes you rethink like some of the aspects of gun control that people advocate for. Um, one sec. sorry. Uh, I'm making coffee while we talk. Um. But but the, the other aspect is um like think about everybody's like, oh red flag laws, for example. Like that's the main thing everybody's talking about is a compromise. But what's a red flag law? Um, you actually have to petition the police and a judge um to come do an assessment of your relative who you're worried about. That's great. It'll work um in some instances. But um do people really want the police coming to their house? Well, there's a racial nope. politics there. Yeah. Um, was yep. like, oh, background checks. We need more background checks. Well, who pings on a background check? Um, mm-hmm. It turns out a background check, you ping if you have a record of incarceration. Uh, who's going to overping in a background check system? So a lot of the issues that the gun control movement is based on actually are profoundly racist. And so um, I think that really thinking about different kinds of gun crime, different kinds of gun death, different kinds of gun trauma, will help people realize that we, you know, gosh, why isn't the gun control movement more broadly accepted? It's because we don't have the kind of coalition where people see gun control as a social justice issue. Right, that's just my personal opinion on this matter.
0: What do you think then, you know, because it's interesting, and, and I brought that up because I did um, a, a black radio earlier in, uh, or earlier, uh, in the week, And, you know, and that and it was a Philadelphia station, and this was the question that was asked to me, you know, should there be a distinction, a difference between types of shootings? And my response was, if you get if you're shot, you're shot. And I don't think it matters to the families, whether it was a a white supremacist shooter or it was a, you know, a, a random shooting from a gang or whatever. It's like they're dead. Right. So the problem in the country is guns. It is also, in, in, in a lot of respects, what we've seen is the tied up in white toxic masculinity, in white supremacy, and that being the other leveled problem, right? And so I, I wonder, I'm like, how do you, like, how do we have these conversations? Because even right, you know, right now, this week, we're listening to testimony from, uh, from the families that lost loved ones who were murdered in Buffalo, Um, uh, the, the 10 black, you know, mothers, fathers, grandmothers, aunties, and uncles that were gunned down while they were shopping, um, on a Saturday morning. And so one of the things that was said was this is about white supremacy and the, by the very virtue that this country, this government does not want to acknowledge, right. The history and the present day rise of that is why we have instances like a, a, a Charleston at Mother Emanuel, like a Buffalo, and and like these other incidents of violence. And so, what do you think about how we have these compacted conversations around guns and and white supremacy?
1: i um, I mean, you think. About, I was thinking about Texas also, right? Because it's not like the Texas victims were white, right? Um, no. It's just, but the shooter was also not white and so i just i just think i think the problem is so pervasive and so the question is not really about i mean i don't know if i believe this like the every town and guys like that say 90 percent of americans support background checks on all gun sales and stuff like that i do think there's broad support for that kind of thing but I would also say just that the gun lobby and gun manufacturers have been so much more successful scaring the shit out of people. Um, and so race plays right into that. Um, and I guess really, th- this is like kind of a an aside, but like, it's kind of like, what is the voice of the everyday person in this debate, right? Um, the everyday person doesn't really have a, a voice in a way. Like all we are are victims, everybody, mm. all of us. Um, and that's because this debate is predetermined right in a way so i totally it's so brave of those people to go right now to to dc uh, and people are really speaking out in very brave and forceful and powerful ways and at the same time like the debate is predetermined because the nra and other gun groups and the 1716 project and all these gun manufacturer groups and stuff they've already like they already literally own the politicians and the judges and so this is a question of power as much as it is a yep. question and this is the list yep. of what we were talking about before this is a question of of power um and and so protest is super important but it has to translate into like a strategy for like how can we control the judges <laughs> or how can right. we have politicians yep. who answered us and 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 it's not a crazy thing to think like if people don't vote for common sense gun reform, they're gonna get elected out of office or something like that. But we don't do that ever. It's not a wedge issue for us. There there have been a lot of polls recently that show that people protest and are angry and sad and tearful and rightly rightly you know, furious. But Democrats don't vote on guns as a wedge issue, but the Republicans do like like it's just like they can mobilize these guys on a drop of a hat and get somebody primary out of out of office. And so in a way There's just an imbalance of political power, which ties into race and everything we're talking about. Um, And so I guess the question at this moment is certainly about gun reform. But let's be honest, like, even if they do background checks, we're still going to have the same problem. Um, And so the question is, can you mobilize a political machine that will make people pay a price for not doing the right thing here? And I, I don't know that we're there yet. Just
0: to, to and it you know and you've you've been in the 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 gun reform debate for decades. and so you know the other question that keeps being asked that I'm asked and I know that you were asked like 50 times you know over over the past interviews that you've been giving everywhere and writing everywhere is it does this time feel different to you?
1: I think more people are aware. I think that there was, um, I think that the stakes are a lot higher for people right now. And I think people realize that there, as I was saying before, there are more guns around. The fact that there is an incredibly conservative Supreme Court really changes the stakes of this issue for anyone, anywhere in this country. Um, and so, um, And so it does feel different in terms of the number of people who are being mobilized. I think it's also, very important for the democrats to play this right in a way that doesn't pathologize all gun owners um so the question is can they build a coalition out of this in ways that will reverse what seems to be coming down the pike for the midterms and the next presidential election how much are people willing to vote based on this issue um i think that the attention right now is 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 profound and real and and it's great as somebody who studies this to see so many people like right after we talk i'm doing Big panel for Vanderbilt <laughs> about guns. Never thought I'd see that happen. Um, and then I'm doing ABC News right after that. Um, after I make my coffee here, and so, um, and so, um, so I do think that the conversations are broad. But I would also say there's a great sociologist, Pat, Patrick Sharkey at Princeton, who studies the, the 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 emotional aftermath of mass shootings, and and basically people get mad for about a week at the most. And then they go back. And so the issue is going to be, how can you sustain what's happening now? Gun owners live with their guns every day. So it's an everyday issue for them. But for gun, non-gun owners who are on our side, they pay attention after mass shootings, but then something else comes up, which is how life works. That's understandable. And so the question is, and I realize, I'm sorry, this is a lot of things I'm putting in all these answers, but I just want people to understand how complex all these is. Yeah. Um, but I would say the question is, how much can this be made into a red issue that will get people to vote? Because traditionally what happens is when it comes to midterms, all these racial politics scare the crap out of people and they vote for the status quo. So the question is, the answer is now how different is it? But really the answer won't be fully told really until the midterms, honestly.
0: Last question for you, Jonathan, um, is, you know, folks are really concerned about the summer, right? And, and shootings seem to also uptick in the summer, right? I, I I don't know why that is. And I'm certain that you'll, you'll tell me, but I, I th- here's something that I was asked and I, and I want to pose it to you, which is people are very concerned about the Supreme Court rolling out their very controversial decisions, right? Roe being on top, a number one on top of that and that people are then going to get out into the streets in the way that they did after the killing of George Floyd. Like there are going to be lots of mass demonstrations. There is concern that with people being out in the streets, that we're going to see a lot of Kyle Rittenhouse incidents, right? Um, what are your thoughts about like this, this, again, this conflation of issues and things that are happening? You know, um, you're hearing that the Supposedly, the FBI and others are, you know, ear to the ground with concern about these decisions coming down and how folks are going to react. And I'm like, our side is not the side with guns, and that is violent. So funny that you're going to have concern now. But what what are your thoughts about what what is on the precipice?
1: Well, the Supreme Court is we're about to hit get hit over the next couple of weeks. With an absolute tidal wave that is going to change america for the rest of our lives i wish i could be sunny it's a nice day out but what's about to happen in the supreme court is going to change america forever as we know it because it's not just Roe versus way that's coming it's also decisions about the elect about uh, the elect electoral process there's a decision about um, uh, affirmative action that's almost certainly going to get overturned and there's a massive decision about guns that could basically destroy the entire gun control movement. And so it's just going to be like, which protest do you want to go to? And, and, and I think the stuff is going to come and it's so, it's so tectonic that it's almost hard to get your head around it. I study it and I still can't imagine what's about to happen here. And so the question is, um, certainly violence around the protests. I mean, you know, Hot weather, people out of school, a lot of guns and a lot of really intense built up tension and friction right now. Um, uh, I I would say that that, that's going to be a real danger sign. But also just the issues themselves that the Supreme Court is deciding on are also going to be really, really contentious. And so I am very, very, very worried about about this summer and also about what what the effects will be.
0: We never end on a good note. Um, no. We, I mean, we I'm going never, on vacation. You're going on vacation. Yeah, peace I'm still, out. I'm he, going on vacation. I'm st- healing a broken toe. And friend, uh-huh. I may tell you, just stay where you are. We've been doing a remote for so long. Stay, stay in Sweden. Uh, it'll probably be a hell of a lot safer uh, than here. Well, safe travels to you, Jonathan. Uh, hopefully we get to hear really good, um, you know, whether you're, whether we talk to you while you're gone or when you return, very excited to hear um, the results of, of all of your talks and, uh, and hear your report back.
1: Thank you. And again, I'm not, I'm really not trying to be doom and gloom, but I do think that there's a lot of, there's a lot coming down the pike right now that people just need to get ready for. So, I mean, I am, it's doom and gloom. Yeah. By definition, that's student group. (laughs) Correct.
0: (laughs) All right, friend, we appreciate you. Safe travels, and we'll see you when you return. Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie is one of the latest shows on the TYT network and also the fastest growing news show in America. On his show, Dr. Ritchie plays no games regarding policy, delivering a heavy dose of fact-based truth and penetrating analysis on all the top news stories focusing on racism, criminal and social justice, politics, police brutality, Karens, and much more. Listeners can also expect interviews with fascinating guests, political leaders, commentators, and even fiery debates with conservatives on a wide range of policy topics in the bullpen. It is an indisputable fact that you will love this show. Listen to Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ricci on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode.